Hey guys, so you guys know we are doing cult month this month and there are a lot of dark stories we're talking about that deal with murder, some probably, you know, some will have rape, racism, a bunch of other stuff. So if you are triggered by any of this, we completely understand if you don't want to listen to this month's um, list of podcasts, we've got plenty of other ones you can listen to or you can listen to our second podcast, Kitty Litter, where it's a little more upbeat, a little more friendly, a little more fun. And, uh, you know, at the end of your, the end of your here, we hope you enjoy, and, uh, yeah, thank you for supporting the Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Cats with Tin Hats, continuing on this month with Colts. This is Oliver. Bye. And Tucker. On April 19th, 1993, America experienced its longest siege of a hostage scenario, taking 51 days in Elk, Texas. Vernon Howell, also known as David Koresh, also known as the Sinful Messiah, the Second Coming of Christ, and Mr. Retardo was behind all this. And on that same day, he met his fitting end with his death at the end of the siege and fire. But before we get into that, why why don't you uh, yeah right. tell us the backstory of oh, good old good old David yeah very friendly man crash so uh, yeah so David was born uh, real name Vernon Wayne Howell on August seventeenth nineteen fifty nine in Houston Texas to uh, a fourteen year old which is fucked named Bonnie Sue Clark and her father Bobby Wayne Howell and uh, before he was born. His dad left Bonnie for another teenage mother, and um, then Bonnie started dating a um, cohibiting, or sorry, started um, dating and living with a alcoholic, a violent alcoholic, actually. Then in 63, when Crash would have been oh, four, three years old, his mom and his, uh, his mom and his stepdad, or mom's boyfriend, whatever, left him with his grandma and I don't know I couldn't say what the fuck they did but they just, she just fucked off for like she went to work is what I read four years because she couldn't support the kid on her own oh okay okay, okay. <laughs> she had to be at McDonald's for about four years flipping hamburgers see when I have don't worry, this dollars this isn't a psycho that had mummy issues this is a <laughs> well, I don't know you might yeah. Have we, have we, I don't well, yeah, we got some stuff going to that way, though. Right? So, um, yeah, so then... Uh, so later down the road, so she did... Uh, so, yeah, left her with... The group with um, so, Bonnie left Crash with his grandma, Erlang Clark. Um, then his mother returned when he was, what, seven years, um, seven years after a marriage to a carpenter named Roy Haldeman. And he wouldn't actually meet his real life father until much later in his life. He was about seventeen. Again, I couldn't. I couldn't find anything if they. Sure, it wasn't on good terms, but you know. But yeah, but then, anyways, though. So, Kareem, uh, Kareem, uh, Koresh, he said he described his uh, child life, ch- early childhood, as um, lonely. He was very lonely. He had a pleasure of, you know, learning disabilities. He was in special education. And um, he had dyslexia, and um, his friends or his classmates, at least, called him Vernie, or uh, how uh, you said, uh, Mr. Retardo. Yeah. Um, which is fucking cruel, kids. Fuck you. And in the documentary, the mum did specify he wasn't retarded, 
but he was called Mr. Retardo. Jesus, man. Fucking kids, you know? Fuck you, kids. No, fucking fine, all y'all. Nah, just kidding. You're all cool. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways. So, yeah, so he was a little wad, and uh, I think from, from his novel, from his um, dyslexia and his learning disabilities, he, did, he dropped out of Garland High School during his junior year. And then, um, then this fucking, uh, fucking speech shit human being, fucking, was 19 years of age, had an illegal sexual relationship with a 15 year old who he then impregnated, and I don't know, and then it stopped. I, that's all I read. Is she became pregnant. I, I'm assuming she gave birth. I don't know, but. It, there's no way that says what happened. Right? Her and the kid, because that's where, like, that story ends. But yeah, right? That, that's all I heard of. Yeah, she was yeah, 19, and then. I don't. I didn't. And I didn't. I couldn't find her name. It just was a fit with a fifteen-year-old girl who became pregnant. And then, um, like once the dad found out, he pretty much chased him out of the city. Oh really? Yeah. Oh shit. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Fucking that's sick son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. Then um, he did what every good man does, isn't he? Uh, he claimed to be a born-again Christian. Um. While he was in the Southern Baptist Church, and soon he joined his mother's uh, dominion, the, uh, the Seventh-day Adventist Church, where then, there, this, you know, again, sick individual crash, he then started getting the feels for the pastor's daughter, and while he was, um, what was it? While he was praying for guidance from God, he opened up his eyes and glanced at the Bible, which was then opened up to the Isaiah thirty-four sixteen page or whatever and that was his, and that quotes that uh, none should want for her mate which fucking I don't know what the fuck that means do you know what that means none none should want for her mate I'm assuming I think it was like no like no one want like I it's so hard to know about context from the rest of the bible and there's so many different interpretations of it okay it's probably saying like either none want, want anything else other than the mate, or the want alone is enough, or there's like... Right. Again, but, with the whole Davidans, or Davidians, whatever they're called, they're, they're, it's just because of an interpretation that created that sect. Oh, okay. Which, right. which is like an issue with religion in general. Yeah, you can spin the words to fit any narrative that you really want. Yeah. And yeah. that's what we're talking about this month, pretty much, mm-hmm. is taking... Yeah taking certain words and flipping them to fit your your, your motivation yeah, yeah. yeah. which it, it's so wild to me that it's it's so wild because you can interpret the words as something uplifting and positive and to help people through life but it can also um be used to push evil and disgusting narratives which i think is is something that really speaks to to how powerful words in general are because mm. as soon as they leave your mouth you can't take them back and and you know words can mean so many different things right mm. but anyway. but uh, yeah so, so yes then um when he um after he saw that he was convinced this was god talking to him so then he goes to the pastor the pastor and i'm gonna reenact probably how this went can you be the pastor sure it's be all improv. Okay. <laughs> dear god <laughs> So uh, no, it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be ten ish. Don't won't be it's gonna be ten. See with the ish, I'm terrified now. You're the, you have nothing to worry about. You're just a pastor. So basically, just do what you do. Say what you would say as a father. 
if, if I David Koresh came, as David Koresh, a a, a a nineteen a nineteen year old came in wanting to be daughter. Hey, Pastor, well, we call you Pastor Mike. But you know, Pastor Mike. So I was praying, you know, like we do in this church with God, and I looked at the Bible, and it was open. Uh, you know Isaiah thirty four sixteen. You know you know Isaiah right? Oh, yeah. yeah right. And good guy. And uh, so I read a, I read a passage, and um, you know I think God wants me to have your daughter as a wife. Now, can I have her as a wife? No. No. But okay. How about how about if I like just I'm a good guy. Look, I'm I'm nineteen. I'm. You know, like, people call me Mr. Retardo, but that's not real. Jesus Christ. Oh. Not daddy. <laughs> not in the house of the Lord. Sorry to curse. Use God's name in vain. So that's what we, that's, that, that's a, that's a, let's call it a rough, a rough draft, kind of how it was. So what happened is he came to ask the pastor for his, for, for his daughter's hand in marriage. And, and the pastor and kicked him out. Patrick kicked trembling no and kicked him out of... Good, the guy. Right? <laughs> what? Oh, hold on, though. Hey, I read it. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, well, you know what I read? Get the hell out of my church. How about that one? Right? How about that fucking but, book reading? But he could... He, he, you know, he just took that as a maybe... As like a, oh, like, you know, wrong place, wrong time kind of situation. So, but he persisted to pursue the daughter. I don't know. It didn't say, I, did, I did say for how long, but enough to where they um, expelled them from the congregation. So... I'm assuming a really creepy. He was probably falling. You're like, it's you. And then probably, you know, pastor was like, what the fuck are you doing here? Out of my church. And never come back. I see, no- I, I see nothing wrong with no. that pastor did. He fucking saved his daughter's life. 100%. Oh, yeah. This guy looks like a creep. Right? Like, he yeah. looks like a fucking creeper. Yeah, like he looks like like, like those, look at him. And also, like one quick thing, like you know, can you place it there, the picture? Of him? Yeah, I can. Okay. Why does every steel killer have those glasses? True. Right. Well, yeah, like at one point, there's at least not I mean, not every, but like ninety percent of them have those thick nerdy glasses. Yeah. Like the only thing I will say, like he has a bit of a flow going, and it's like, hey, that's it. But like, yeah, he's got, it. he's got cool hair. But, like, not specs it because he's a fucking psychopath. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so after he got kicked out of his mom's church there and from, st- um, you know, practically stalking the, um, pra- the pastor's daughter and everything, he then, in 1981, he moved to Waco, Texas, where he joined the, uh, goddamn, the, his, the fuck, what is it called? The... the- Sex of Davidians. Or yeah, the, the branch of Davidians. Yeah, branch of Davidians. And uh, where he played guitar and, you know, sang Kumbaya at uh, Mount Carmel Center, um, just out, and which was out just outside of Waco, Texas. And that's kind of the early stages of him, what I got from his early life. So again, I couldn't see if he was, I don't know if he was like, you know, other, like other, oh, he, was, he wasn't. Would you consider him a serial killer, or just like, or a killer, or he's a killer, but like he's a, he's a cult leader, right? Psychopath. Psychopath. I would go with. So I could, I couldn't. Like, I don't know if you found anything, or do you know anything? I don't know if he was like it's early, early age. I don't know if he was like ever like abused or any like other than being picked on. He he was beaten by his stepdad. The alcoholic. The alcoholic. He was okay. beaten by him a lot. Other than that, it was just bullying. It seems like that, like with Manson too. This seems to be a a showing. Uh, 
the same kind of the the same as like mother leaving with mm. family getting picked on bullied um getting beaten stuff like that it mm. seems to be a trend not saying that that's yeah that's you know we're not here we're not you know doctors or anything like no. that but i think it's 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 an interesting part of this story to see that there's two th- there's two people who went yep. on to do the same thing but have had the same upbringing is it true I, i'm trying to remember now did he not memorize the entire bible and that's why a lot of people oh, thought that he yeah. was oh, well, he was, he was like, a prophet because he knew every I, single you mm, could tell him fast. a page number because that was his comfort. That was his support. Yeah. He would just constantly read the King of James Bible because that was his clutch. Yeah. And, oh, wow. and a couple more things to mention on it. Uh, to jump on your point, if you're at home, if you want to, there is a psychological term for this for lack of love and support from parents, and it does tend to lead to psychopathic or sociopathic tendencies in children. There's a really haunting movie that does deal with this. It's called uh, We Need to Talk About Kevin with Ezra Miller and Tilda Swinton. And it talks. It shows her early neglect on him as a child. Where the, even though he was just a baby, he, was, he could still... Babies can still feel like motherly love, yeah. fatherly love, all that stuff. But as soon as that neglect is, take, is shown in the first few instances, it has a lasting impact on that child all the way through his growing up and it's probably one of the hardest things to essentially reprogram out no matter how much you can try and do that initial damage you've done stems through the rest of that kid's life wow I'm gonna have to watch that movie I like Ezra I, I've, I've got it he, oh he's I wanna kill him after watching that really? he does that good of a job as a yeah, I like, he's awesome. so good in the movies I've seen yeah, yeah. but there, there is a trend of lack of loving support abuse to horrific person in the future whether it be abusive whether it be psychopathic leading a cult or even just becoming a pimp mm-hmm. like those things do line up yeah. uh, but another thing I was point on with the whole memories in the bible another thing that uh, Koresh did when he was younger was listen to evangelical radio and he that's where he got the first taste of if I had this power if I could be like these guys, if I could command an audience and they shout and praise me, having that healing power, having this, having that, all the way along. Oh, my laptop's gonna die. Whoops. It's not plugged in. It's almost like the addiction of... of, um... not having people care about what you say, but having the power to have people listen to you, almost. Because I think... For him being bullied a lot of his a lot of his young life to have people sit down and cheer him for cheer him on for speaking mm. would have been something that he might have been looking for. Yeah, right. Like no, oh, definitely. Again, not psychologists yeah. here, but yeah, you know what I mean. That's I don't know. It's an idea. Mm. Yeah, but he he did also look at the Bible as a source of power too. Okay, like he knew the words in this book has power. Yeah, and you can use that power. He was very aware from that from wow. an early age. Fucked. Yeah, I, I, for some reason I remembered somebody saying you could you could say, "What's page twenty seven? Yeah, and he would read know. you the entire, the entire page. Yeah. He'd go like this, blah 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 blah, and he'd use it in everyday 
conversations. Oh wow! And it'd be, that's why that he was so people were so moved yeah. by him is because he would sit down and have a conversation with you, but also use these words yeah. as a almost like a, a pawn to manipulate you. Yeah, kind that's fucked. That's fucked. Because like if you have someone reciting the words of God to you word for word perfectly, it's essentially you're talking to God. Yeah, that's that's Fair the enough. mindset, right? Mm. It's wild, but... But, uh, yeah, so, so, we'll jump, so now, like, two years after, so in 83, so he's probably about 24, 25, roughly, I think, and, uh, and that's where, that's when he started really beginning to say that he's, or he's claiming that, he, um, the gift of prophecy, and that makes sense. Now if he can, like you're saying, if he can memorize the Bible, that's, I can bet, I can barely memorize what I fucking wrote down, and if he can memorize the Bible, that's... But unfair. Fuck you, Crash. Oh, it says right here. I literally have oh. it up here. I didn't even see that. Oh my god. So he memorized the whole New and Old Testaments of the Bible by the time he was 18 years old. It okay. literally was just up on here and I didn't even look down. So, Oh my god. Can we just rewind back to I'll be, I'll be David, you be the priest. And now since I know this info, I want to do something. I got a little... Maybe now I now we think we know for sure how it goes. All right, take two, take two, take two. We're actors, cheers. We were used to takes. Yeah, it's worth showing. Yeah. Oh, uh, he, uh, Pastor uh, Mike. Oh, uh, I uh, really like your daughter, and uh, you know, uh, and I I can memorize. You know, I'm 19. Last year I memorized the New and Old Testaments of both Bibles. So I think so. God, you know, the big cheese. He was talking to me, saying, hey, you know. I'm the one to marry your wife, so... Uh, My wife? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sorry. What? It's a little hot in here, sorry. It's, uh, you know, I'm the one to marry your daughter, so, uh, hey, what do you think? Um, no. Okay. Okay. No problem. No problem, no problem. No, it's okay. So, yeah, so that's, I think, how we, it went. It would have been him bragging of... I'm... I know... All of the Bible. So, jump to 83. So, you think it's it? It's about 25, 24. Um, I forget the. Um, I didn't write it down, but the um, guy who started this. Um, whatever it is, the fucking branch of um, Divines. Or Dividends. Dividends. He died. He passed away in, I think, 80. I want to say 81, 82. I don't have that info. Um, I fucking should have wrote down, but I fucking didn't because I thought I remembered. But anyway, so so he passed away, and then you know, fucking good old David, the sick fuck, starts having a sexual relationship with his with the with the um. Oh wait, I think I have it here. Um, Benjamin. Okay, his name was Benjamin Roden. So he passed away, and his wife Lois Roden was now. I think she became the new leader. Yeah, she was the leader when he was there. Because, uh, and then, so he, had a, he started having a sexual relationship with her. She was 60. I, I think it's safe to mention also beforehand, uh, no one thought much of Koresh in his time. He just showed up, helped yeah, out. Yeah, he was a guy who could would just sing and play guitar. Yeah, and be like, but, ah, music guy. But it was as soon as he was, uh, Lois Rodin uh, could see how much of the Bible he knew, and he had the same interpretations of the Bible that she did. That's when they started having private study sessions and going that way, and that's when they eventually signed. Okay. So, yeah, so he was so so he was twenty five, she was sixty. Yeah. Fucking gross. <laughs> and uh, and it's not cool, bro. Like you know, your fucking cult leader's wife. Come on, bro. So, um, but the reason why he, um, 
I think also was saying why he had a sexual relationship with her is because, again, God apparently talk, came and talked to him and said that um, he wanted to father... He wanted to father a child with Lois because their son would have been the chosen one. Um, and then... Um, so then in 83 as well, they would then both, with Lois and him being... I believe they were married, or at least they were um, living together and stuff. They would now start practicing David Koresh's um, teachings and his own messages, and which were called the Serpent's Root, which called which caused some controversy within the group. And Lois's son George Roden, who was intended to take over this cult, started seeing Koresh of who he really was and said that he was an he was a um, interloper. I just got a question. Do you think this was a cult before Koresh joined, or yeah. do you think it was a cult after Koresh? No, it was a cult before, I think. Okay. I think. Just because... Well, they can think about it, everyone. Like, if you think, wow, it's fucking... See, now this is where it's going to get the fucking kind of color gets a little fade, uh, um, foggy. Because any cult... To, in my eyes, a cult, any kind of religion is a cult. Okay. Right? Because you get people who fall, you know, who believe in a god or fall, believe in whatever, a, a, a entity or whatever it is that's bigger than them, and then they follow their rules... And like that, so it's like it's it's cult like, but the cult the word cult gets thrown around in the muck a lot because it's mm-hmm. usually people think of cults, they think of you know, this, they think of Jonestown, they think of you know, Bantam family, just a bunch of you know, psycho shit, which is mostly I think what the cults are. But anyways, I think it's safe to say that before um, it was more of uh, Amish than cultish. I'd say, or like the modern day view of cults. It was more like it's just a secluded community left by themselves. Just doing their own thing. Yeah. So then later, so, so then same thing. So same thing. Pretty sure it's the same year. Um, Kare, um, again, Koresh being the horny fuck he is, announced that God also instructed him to marry uh, not a female named Rachel Jones. And then during that time, there was a period of calmness that um, ensured at the at, at Mount Carmel Center. But then there was a giant fire that caused about half a million dollars worth of damages. It burned down um, an administration building and something that, uh, I think it was like a stable or like another little, like, fucking, like, a little building, too. Mm-hmm. Rodin, or George Rodin, claimed that it was um, Koresh who started the, started the fires. Koresh replied, no, uh, no men, uh, what do you say? He replied, um, no men, the fuck did I, goddamn right, holy shit, I cannot. Basically, he was just saying that he didn't the fires. It was a judgment of God. And so God was the one who started the fires. He was just fucking being kind and not saying, yeah, it was me. And, uh... But he said, yeah, no man set the fire. No man set the fire. It was a judgment by God. Then Rodin didn't like that, like that answer. And he forced him and his... He had about 25 people who, who were following Crush at the time. Like, he had a... Somewhat of a group. I'm just imagining <laughs> just a man of God <laughs> using the C word. It's out in the open. I didn't start this fire. God made me do it. You're a fucking. <laughs> hey, we can reenact. Okay, you're George. I'm not no, come on. Yeah, I'll be both. I'll be both. So, Crash was just like, or you know, I thought you like, were pointing to the camera, and be like, all right, you guys. Yeah. Yeah. All right, yes. <laughs> Don't let me down, guys. <laughs> Mirror this on TikTok. <laughs> Mirror this on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, but and so yeah, Rodin went to him. He was like, "You started the fires." No, I didn't. It was driven God. But we didn't start the fire, right? And uh, <laughs> so then he forced Crash out with his twenty-five followers, but at gunpoint, and. 
they just kicked them out because he just wasn't liking the way I think people were following them and just his way of doing everything and thought he was like an interloper and he was I think scared of also losing I think George um, um, George Roden was scared of possibly losing his of becoming the leader because hmm. of Crash and so he, so they kicked him and his twenty five followers out to um, which then they moved uh, to a place called Palestine Palestine Texas which is about ninety miles or one hundred forty kilometers away from Waco where they lived um, in rugged, rugged conditions under buses in tents. Uh, they did that for about two years, and that's where, and, and this is really where I think he kind of started going really more in depth. Of, I am the like I am this God, you know, character. I'm the, I'm this entity. I'm I, I'm the words of God. God speaks to me, and he started because um, during these two years he started to um, he undertook recruitments from people from California, the UK, Israel, and Australia. In that same year, in '83 or no '85, it would have been he uh, traveled to Israel, where he claimed he's had visions where he was the modern day Cyrus, and uh, Cyrus is I wrote down Cyrus the second was a Persian commonly was a Persian commonly known as Cyrus the Great and Cyrus the Elder by the Greeks, and he was the founder of the I'm going to butcher this, but it's like the Achaemenid Empire or the first Persian Empire. Okay. So he thought he was just the next coming of, or the him, just the yeah, modern day. Like the, the reincarnation. The reincarnation, yeah. Okay. So then, um, I so like Lois, he's a reincarnation of a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so then, so Lois Roden died. Lois Roden died in '86, and um, the exiled people who, the exiled people from the branch of the Divians, wondered if they, if they would be able to return to the um, Carmel Center or Mount Carmel Center. But despite the displacement, Koresh enjoyed the loyalty of his majority of his, of his branch. So I'm assuming, like, I didn't say they went bad, but I'm assuming, like, they did, but he, and he was okay with it, because they were just, he was like, no, and then they're going, oh, okay, like, you know, they had the big cheese head, no, so. What can we do? Right? But uh, then in 87, so he now in 87, he would have been almost 30, I think, at this time. Um, Koresh was enjoying his time at the, at his, uh, Palestine, Texas, just as, I think he's getting his followers really under his, under his branch, under his belt, and brainwashing them, if you will. So then in 87, back at um, uh, Mount Caramel Center, Rodin was, um, he was getting rid of a body um, in the community center, and uh, Rodin was saying he was just moving the cemetery to, to a different place, but then um, Koresh found out, and he was saying, no, he was issuing, he was issuing a fucking challenge, to, res- to resurrect the body, and I guess in their religion or in their fucking world, that whoever could resurrect a body would become the would the proper leader. It's like a true testament messiah, essentially. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so Chris went to the police and said, hey, hey, you know, this guy's uh, getting rid of a body. Uh, go check him out. Police right, well, do you have any proof? Like a photo or anything? No. And then they're like, well, come back. Well, come back with proof, and we can come and yeah. check it out. Because so he tried. To, he's so was he challenged to resurrect it to resurrect it. yeah yeah so like so it wrote like he so Rodin exhumed like or, or he exhumed at least one body from this um, community cemetery it was uh, I don't it, know it, 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 uh, did you say who he tried to of Anna Hughes okay so he took her he took her he took her body from the cemetery sorry. and then proceeded to try and that's what Koresh was saying there was that was that that's what Koresh was saying uh he, I didn't read what he was trying to do with his body. I think he was just trying to get rid of it. Yeah, the, the, like the common story is that um, uh, Rodin was just like, 
hey, you can come back here and you can lead if you can resurrect this body and prove you're a messiah. Yeah, so I think I will so, let you back. Oh, but, okay. But but the, yeah, so I think so I think he so I think Ro, I, so I think in Kredge's mind, Rodan took this body and in in Kredge's eyes, this was a challenge for I think Koresh to resurrect his body become okay. and if he and I think I, I I could be wrong, it very well could be, but I think if he could resurrect the body, he'd be the new um, leader, and if he couldn't, it would have been Rodin. Yeah. Okay. I, I think. But so I think that's why he was scared. He knew, so that's why he went to the police. Yeah. And then he said, you know, he was he was illegally getting rid of this corpse, right? Because this corpse was already buried. Like, well, it's a you without a permit, you can't dig up a grave in Texas. Yeah. So he's illegally yeah. you know, trying to get rid of it, right? So cost of cost, so I'm like. Hey, like you know, do you have any proof? He said no. Well, you know, you, you have you need a photo or something to prove that because you know that, that those are some I think big allegations to say. So, Koresh then seized the opportunity and took seven seven of his followers. They were armed to the teeth to Mount uh, Carmel Center, and then they uh, to get a photo of um, Rodin getting uh, disposing his body. Where again they get caught, a gunfight starts happening. Rodin gets shot, minor injuries, but. Uh, I think he's. Cr- I think this he gets crushed. Like a, I think he gets crushed by a bus. But he's, I, so I, don't, like, I think his leg. I think it was maybe his leg or something. Okay. He, they said they found him behind a tree with a, oh, with okay. a bullet wound. So, but a bus was crushed, or they, or they just crushed a bus. I don't fucking know. And um, so yeah, it's when the sheriff's because when the sheriff came, he was behind a tree bleeding out. And um, then they took in Koresh and his seven members to, uh, and they charged them all with attempted murder. The trial happened. Then fucking Koresh. He explained that uh, that it was that they were there to uncover evidence for criminal distribute uh, cur- a criminal dist- um, dist- oh, oh my god sorry so they were there uh, during the trial Koresh was explaining why they were there and he said that um, he was there to un- uncover evidence of a of criminal um, disappearance of a corpse so then his fellow um, followers were um, acquitted of the of all charges and Koresh's case was a mistrial and it was uh, so we just don't know because they claimed self-defense yeah that's how he got around yeah so we got, so we got away with it and then um, so now two years now jump two years again now it's 89 Rodin killed a man named Waymondale Adar or Adar if I butcher that name I do apologize with an axe um, blow to the skull all because this, this man said that he was the true messiah Rodin was um, took him to prison. He was judge insane. Went to the um, and confined to the psychiatric hospital in Big Spring, Texas. Then Rodin and uh, Rodin also owned thousands of dollars on property tax of um, Mount uh, Caramel Center, and uh, so he was gonna so he's gonna lose it. So Crash and his groupies raised enough money to pay off all these taxes, and then that's how he took over um, Mount Caramel. Um, Mount Carmel Center because he was just like he's paid off all the all the all the debt and all the taxes, and uh, so the guy just cr- like cranked somebody in the head. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. he was just because he sick said sick of people saying that they're the, the next messiah. messiah. Yeah, he was saying I'm the next messiah. I guess he's gotten mad. He just took his axe and just cranked him in the skull. Wow. Okay. Right. So this like exactly. I didn't. I didn't know this stuff. Right? This is this is crazy. Yeah, and this is, and like and then I, then I got. I want to write more, but my arm was getting tired on the kid. It's just enough. <laughs> and this is before he. Like, this is before he took have this the, leadership. I have the same problem when we do this All stuff right. because, like, you'll be sitting there, like, and it's like 
one thing after another, one thing after another, and it's like, okay, am I doing too much now where it's like, just go right. watch it? <laughs> I, I, I get too invested watching that I forget to take notes. <laughs> no, fair enough. Yeah, I know exactly right. what you mean when you're sitting there, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Oh, wait, there's something right. else. Right, because then you know, too, because again, like back then, when I was like, oh, what was the, what was, what was the old, like, you know, leader of the day oh shit sure wrote down oh god do write down look when you die fuck because <laughs> yeah. like, oh, I don't need this and it's like oh you need it <laughs> yeah and then that's always it because you're always. like okay I'm done I'm done taking notes right and then you're like okay I'm good I'm fine right. and then you get there you're like fuck I should have wrote it down right and then you go back to and of course me you know old school paper it's just like <laughs> it's like oh okay where am I going to fit the new note <laughs> but, but uh, yeah so so now so Rodin so George Rodin is now in prison or psychiatric game is in the fucking Lulu bin and now Koresh is now, I guess, the proper leader of this uh, Mount Carroll Center, which then, now we're jumping to the 90s, so it's May 15th, 1990. Vernon Howell filed a potential, uh, petition to change his name for, I guess, for, and it says for publicity and business purposes. Then on August 20th of the same year, 1990, Judge Robert Martinez granted the petition, and that's when he could change his name properly to David Koresh. And before I take Oliver, to, before I let Oliver take over, just uh, it's a, it's about why he ch- chose the name. Right. David okay, Koresh. I was just gonna ask that. What's the what's so, the reason? So Koresh is the biblical name for Cyrus the Great, and uh, which I told earlier, which was the. What uh, Cyrus was the um, first Persian emperor, uh, emperor, yeah. right? And then David symbolized a lineage to d- directly to the biblical King David, from whom a new uh, Messiah would ascend. Um, by take, so by taking the name David Koresh, he was professing himself to be the spirit, the spiritual descendant of King David, who was a, a messianic figure carrying out uh, divinely commissioned errands. So. It's, so yeah. he was so pretty much he was just saying that he's the reincarnation he's of both of those yeah. guys. Yeah, he's bad basically saying uh, I'm the spiritual accent yeah. the spi- the spiritual the spiritual, yeah, he's accessor a, to both of those guys. He's a boy who crowned himself king, essentially. Yeah. It's starting it's starting to get weird because And there's right. some tie ins here to to Jim Jones, who we're gonna talk mm. about later. Yeah. There's a tie in there where it's I feel like in a past life I'm I was, I was this, whoever, or I'm right? a, I'm a reincarnation of this. So it, it's start it's a little weird now that we're doing, uh, you know, four straight weeks of doing research yeah. into these people, and yeah. and you're starting to see pop ups of because uh, there's parallels with Manson. Right? Yeah. there's a lot of parallels with Manson as well. Yeah, go into it because whatever because they had a base out in LA, and yeah. what he was doing there is solely trying to kick off his music career. David Crash was? Yeah. Yeah. He, guitar, he, he was guitar, guitar player. player. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. he would do it for sermons, but he was going to try and recruit people through his music. Oh, shit. And as he was out in LA, as part wow. of recruiting people, he was trying to get a record deal so he could. Just like, that's fucking weird, man. It's really, really, really fucking. Bizarre. And one thing I just remember, I didn't write it down, but I bet I remembered it before you go. One good thing this man actually did, kind of. So when he took over um, Mount uh, Carroll Center, he went there and there were some residencies that uh, there was a meth lab. He called the cops. It was like, get rid of this. So like he got rid of a meth lab. So you know what? That's a fucking clap for you. But other than that, you know, you're a piece of shit human being. Sorry. I just thought. And uh, on that note, 
David Koresh and his many followers lived happily ever after. Nothing else happened. Uh, yeah, there wasn't a standoff. There wasn't a standoff. There wasn't anything. No, but um, worse things. I, I, I think I've got pretty much just after he renamed himself David Koresh. Oh, perfect. Because he was going. Uh, another reason analysts were saying David Koresh is he couldn't lead everyone with the name Vernon Howell. He needed his new name. He needed a biblical name to be the next Messiah. Makes sense. And with that, he took on a whole new personality. And because he was uh, deemed as someone who could speak to God, because he could speak his words, he also felt that he was so close to God that he could do whatever the fuck he wanted on earth, which got him the nickname the Sinful Messiah. So he was allowed to fuck anything, do anything, have his way with anything he wanted. Uh, The new rules he implemented with the Davidians was... um, all husband and wife marriages are now separated. Mm-hmm. All the women are now married to him. All, yeah, I all, remember that, yeah. yeah. All the men must live a life of celibacy, no sex, no masturbation, nothing. But he would call women into his room as starting from the age of 14 onwards. <sighs> yeah. He, he would have his way with them, impregnate them, and he would go on to have 21 children oh, of his own. This. And then I, I think... No, not 21, 18. 18, but I'm pretty sure, I, like, I heard, I don't know who, it might have been the fucking girl he married, um, what was her name? Uh, Rachel Rachel, Jones. Rachel Jones, I think if I, because I skimmed that a little bit, then I was like, you know, this is this game too, fuck, I didn't want to read off, <laughs> um, of all, like, the rape allegate, or the rape, um, not allegations, the, the rape, and the, all, everything. It's all statutory rape, it's Yeah, all. yeah, well, yeah. I think it was, I think she said that she had seven out of the 15 kids or something. Like, she was... Wow. I don't, uh, uh, or something like that. Yeah. I thought that's what I read, or I yeah, I thought that's why I read that she, she was sitting out of, the fifteen. Other kids that were born like, from from the other moms like she, fucking seven of them. But I think also I know on Rachel Jones, uh, one of the reasons why he chose her out of all the other women was because she was the daughter of the most influential family with the Davidians. Really? So they, that family had a lot of pull in there, and if he got in with the daughter, he got in with the whole group, essentially. Okay. Uh, oh, man. Um, That's fine. Remembering, didn't he also... He only made them eat certain things. Like mm. He took away, like, sugars and milks. Yeah. And yeah, it was a new health diet he put them on. Yeah. Um... He also implemented punishments for children, uh, where they, if they misbehaved, they were to be beaten, right? beaten with a wooden stick. Yeah. Uh, there's uh, the documentary I watched, which is like 24 hours, his last 24 hours. One of the women was saying how the biggest regret she had was when she was punishing her son, beating him, spanking him with a wooden stick. She drew the stick back and just saw blood in it. Well, that's how violent it would get. There was a lot of child abuse going on here. I, I don't get it. I really just do not get how somebody can talk you into doing that stuff. But right, I if, mean, if you have the word of God coming out of your mouth, you can do whatever you want. I just can't believe it, man. Like some of the shit that that we've heard, I'm like, oh, like, yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't know how. I guess be thankful. I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no, be sure. thankful that we haven't met anybody like like these people that we're talking about mm-hmm. this month. Mm-hmm. Or shit, maybe we Next. have. 
Yeah, who knows? Right? Honestly, maybe we have and we just you know, don't know. Right? We just kind of brush. Like we're not even brushed off, but we're like, oh, hey, who knows? Right? Because out of all the people you walk by or meet in your lifetime, like you could be walking past somebody who has these tendencies yeah. or all or this something, stuff. Right? That's the scary. Or it could be a it's always going to be the person with a smile. That's the scary thing. Well, no, I, I think before we continue on going into the whole siege and everything, uh, disclaimer. Is it good? Should we do a disclaimer? Is it... Yeah, there's. Well, I mean, we talked about him raping a bunch of kids already. Yeah, yeah sure. Jeez. Well, I mean, we're putting the disclaimer in the middle at the beginning of this. Yeah, we're putting the disclaimer at the beginning. Right. I'm going to go pee quick. You guys keep going. Alright. So, one thing to know is that the Davidians are, being a sect of the Seven Day Adventists, one thing that they believed and they focused more of their attention on was the end of times and the army of Babylon coming to kill everyone. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that was one thing that they were prepping for and that this is something that uh, David Koresh took into full swing, essentially. He was arming everyone to the fucking teeth. M16s, AK-47s, grenades, all of this stuff. Was a, you, said you were saying he was a uh, weapons... It's not yeah. right? Or Could, weapons uh, dealer. True. It was a gun straight up. Because the way they would originally fund, or how um, Roden, George Roden would fund the operations and keep everyone fed, is deal meth. Oh, okay. his operation going. That's to sustain the... Oh, group. I guess. So as soon as that's gone, he needed something else. Fair enough. And he went into guns. Which is Texas, really easy to get. I'm really easy to get illegally too because you're right across the Mexican border as well. Oh, yeah. And it's Texas. Yeah. So he was con- constantly uh, dealing and trading with guns to fund everything. Uh, but there was a quote from uh, one of the researchers on Koresh. And he says, in the Bible, uh, Jesus tells his followers on the eve of his arrest, sell your cloak and buy a sword. Also known as, buy a gun and protect yourselves. So when the army of Babylon comes a knock in, arm yourselves to the fucking teeth. Wow. And now we're getting to how the siege started, which is kind of funny in all this. So a U- UPS driver, he was constantly taking stuff, delivering them, and just returning. They have no idea what's in them. Till one day, this poor guy, delivering a box, slightly damaged, cracked open, and a whole bunch of grenade shells came out. And this box was just filled. He dropped it, called the police right away. And that's when the ATF, uh, the alcohol, tobacco, and firearms section of the police, they got involved. And they basically got permission to storm the gates. Okay. Mistake number one on the police side. You try and go in to take over this complex is fortress at this point with the amount of firearms they have because they're prepping for the end of days and you I think in their attack because they, they tried to go in peacefully didn't work guns blazing three ATF officers and two Davidians died uh, five and four it says on here at least on the side I'm reading oh on the thing I, I watched it was a three and one something side. like that oh, yeah. they died people died yeah. day one people died and that's when the FBI got involved they were called down hey you need to take over this operation because it's just gone to shit they take over and they try and negotiate and they're talking back and forth back and forth 
And Koresh is just lying through his teeth in what he'll do. Like, yeah, we'll do this for you. No, we won't. Yeah, we'll do an announcement. We'll get everyone to stand down. Everyone's still on guard. Yeah. And this is at the beginning of the 51 days? Yeah. The first day. So that, I think that's where the, the TV show starts. starts. Oh, okay. So Michael Shannon shows up with the FBI. He's like... Uh, he he's like um is he what like do you um, call it? is he like the um he's the guy who like makes the deals and the stuff negotiator? yeah negotiator he's like the negotiator and they just got off of a, a, a big case in history for the life of me i cannot remember what it is but it was about the fbi using wrongful force and there was a huge moment in time where the fbi was getting questioned at this point because they had ended up uh they had done... It's going to kill me. It was a case before this, and then they moved to Waco. It was about a... It was another standoff, but it was in the mountains, I want to say, and they ended up killing a whole family. The FBI did. Wow. And there, there, was a heavy, there was a heavy question as to, was this wrongful force? Yeah. Was this... So that's probably why it took them so long to actually take action on... Because they were in such heat already mm. from this past incident that now Michael Shannon was trying, or Michael Shannon's character, I guess, was trying to, you know, to get, like, try ev- to have everybody stay kind peaceful yeah, and yeah, no try to get to everybody out and all this stuff. Let me, I'm going to try and... And so did, so did the people, did the, um, whatever, three or two or whatever it was, the agents and like the members, did, they were killed before... The FBI came in, right? Yeah, this so was day one. Day one of the standoff, or day one before the standoff? This was day one. Of, like the standoff started with them there. Oh, with the, oh, okay. then the FBI to come in. Oh, come in. Oh, okay, so okay, so they were. Yeah, because what I have, what I read here was, uh, where is it? Because basically, yeah, you were saying it just yeah, it said it started in '93, right? Yeah. Um, Fifty-one. Yeah, it'll be '93. Yeah, nineteen ninety-three. Yeah, so, yeah, on February 28th, 1993. Yeah, apparently they came in there, too. At least what this says on this site. Um, that's when the, yeah, ATF went in there to, um, what was it? To, they, they went in there, they attempted to raid the branch of Davidian, or whatever site, in order to execute a search warrant. And then they say what happens next is, it's kind of he said, she said, by, yeah. the, by the members, no, they shall first, no, they shall first. It, it was most likely they... Shouting, shouting! They both open fire. Someone got a little trigger happy, yeah. and then yeah, then it said yeah, people were killed, and then at least another sixteen additional agents were hurt. Yeah, that was a lot of casualties in the initial one. So I found the the beginning of this. This is nine months be pro- like this is nine yeah. months before the the fifty one day standoff. Okay, yeah. So nine months. It's a case Ruby Ridge, and it's notoriously known as a as a um, a mission that the FBI had failed in a standoff and it resulted in the loss of innocent lives and that's where wow. the, the miniseries starts off so they say that this is a an, an, an event that um, was a a foreshadowing of the the standoff that was to come nine months later in Waco just okay. it was like oh, wow. showing the the failures that led to the the killing of innocent lives and yeah. then again now Seeing the failures that happened at Mount Carmel, it was a foreshadowing almost. Yeah. Sorry, I just found that. But. Yeah, oh, yeah, no worries. Yeah. So, so it was after the first thing, 
the FBI, they would start to do psychological tactics. They'd have speakers set up everywhere, and they would just be playing noise 24 hours nonstop of either bangs or sirens or just like random noises here and yeah there. yeah it's just loud, it's loud music. yeah yeah just to drive them crazy yeah to, yeah yeah because yeah, like the theory is after a certain point you reach out saying hey i know you're getting tired of this we're tired of this let's meet in the middle somewhere let's sort something out because they're more willing to give up something for that but I think the biggest thing that the FBI weren't ready for is faith is the most powerful weapon you can have oh. against anyone. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it'd be war fucking starts, really. Yeah. Think about it. This, this would be... I would consider this a mini-war. Yeah. As well, right? Like, standoff. A little civil war going. But also the going with like, kind of what you were saying. Yeah, so what the... So not all... So include the 24-7-hour um, speakers playing music and all that shit. There's also apparently a 60-hour... 60 hours of negotiation with Crash. Yeah. It's a fucking long time just talking. Just 60 hours of... Yeah, and you know it's going nowhere on both sides. Yeah. It, it was just... And how are you supposed to sleep? You just can't. No. You, like, how does anybody... You can't get sleep. You can't think about anything else. Yeah, the, right? Yeah. Like, fuck. Right? And you said the guy was Malcolm Gladwell, right? The negotiator? That's what it says here. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what's oh, okay. true and what's not with the with the miniseries. But, okay. I, I mean, like, I think he was playing... On the side of... His name was Gary Nosier. Nosnier. Okay. Or okay. They, they, they might have... Yeah, they might have just changed it. Yeah, or they might have... I think it was Malcolm Gladwell. Because this is yeah. Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. yeah. He says, might have... Like, I, I yeah. forget. They, there was something there, but... Um, yeah. Wow, I didn't know yeah. Kyle Culkin's brother was in it either. Rory. He's a br- I didn't even, didn't even know he's a brother. Yeah, yeah he's in all the Home Alone's, all the first two. So, Taylor Kitsch. Yeah. He's uh, he's from Vancouver. Yeah. He's a Canadian. Oh, shit. Let's go. He plays, he plays David Koresh in the miniseries. But anyway, let's carry on with the interesting... With the 51 uh, yeah. so days standoff. There's a lot of stuff that doesn't happen during this 51 days. Like, it is legit a standoff. They, event- they eventually get to a point where Koresh is allowed to broadcast his sermons over the speakers so they can get a slight break from the noise and practice their religion, which, yeah, well, yeah you're in every right to do that. Fine, we'll do that. Just let us have the kids. It's like, fine. 21 of the kids came out. We saw this thing before the podcast. We watched a little mini doc on it. They came out with signs with that relatives' names. So you can look after them. They all came out. They left. And then Koresh, like the manipulative fuck he was, he got his kids with the camera saying, now it's just my kids. No negotiation. You can't beat me. Essentially. So now they're at an even worse standoff. Because to Koresh, all the kids and all the adults are collateral. Doesn't matter. He didn't care about them. It's the army of Babylon coming to kill him. They're going to come back in his eyes. Yeah. So then, I think nothing really happens until, like, a couple of Davidian, the branch Davidians, are let out. Like, some people are like, hey, I don't want to be in here. They escape? Or they... They were, like, safely escorted off the premises. Okay. And this was closer to, like, the end of it. And then when we get to the end of it, I can't remember what was the inciting incident if it was the FBI getting tired or someone opened fire. Okay, uh, I think I got some here I'm yeah. to read. It also tells you what they also brought. So the FBI, so it says, yeah, the FBI assembled 
what has been called probably the largest military force ever gathered against a um, oh, civilian suspect. Because I American remember the history. plan now. Uh, sorry. Yeah. It was... Um, cause I'll, I'll tell the plan before they go into what actually happened. The plan was the number one risk in there is the children. Yeah, for sure. As long as we can get them to give the children out, we can go in safely. We we can use guns at this point. We know they're armed. We can take. We can storm it. And this is fuck up number... I'll say three. Number two was like the whole kid situation, not getting all of them out. Fuck up number three was the FBI goes, okay, what's really harmful but won't kill a kid? Tear gas. We'll tear gas a house. They'll have to let the children leave to get to safety. We can take the kids and then we can take everyone inside safely. Again, didn't think Koresh was going to hold on to the kids. They had they had gas masks to fit over the kids' faces, but they're not going to do a good enough job because you can't fit them properly onto a child's face. You you had, I think it was eighteen children suffocating, or eighteen or twenty. I can't remember the exact amount, but three three quarters of those kids was his. Some of them weren't his kids. Yeah, and they were just choking, suffocating, trapped essentially because they weren't allowed to leave. Wow, that's fucked. So um, yeah, so kind of going back to what I was kind of saying there. So this is all the stuff that they that they brought to this war, basically. Mm-hmm. So then there was, so uh, and I'm gonna butcher some of these fucking na- um, military names, whatever. So they brought uh, so ten tanks, ten uh, Bradley Bradley tanks, two Abraham Abrams tanks, four combat engineering vehicles, six hundred and sixty eight agents, in addition to six U.S. custom officers, fifteen U.S. Army perso- uh, personnel. 13 members of the te- uh, Texas National Guard, 31 Texas Rangers, 131 officers from the Texas Department of Public Safety, 17 from the McLean County Sheriff's Office, and 18, um, yeah, and 18 Waco or Waco poli- uh, police for a total of 899 people. Holy shit! So the reason for the tanks—they're not going to blow up the house, obviously. Uh, the idea was with the cannon of the tank. Probably intimidation, right? No, it was to drive the tank in because it got so much gunpower. What you can do with the cannon, pierce it through, rip the wall down. That's right. And not hurt anyone. That's where they just said, fuck it. Yeah. And they drove the tank in. Oh, yeah. And tried to rip it, and that's when fucking shit hit the fan, I think. Something's telling me that, but I... I think you're right. Again, I didn't... I I don't know for sure. It's the safest course of action with the amount of force that they were dealing with. Mm -hmm. Use it like a battering ram. Pretty much, yeah. But it was at this this point where... um, Did Koresh get shot at this point, or was it... Um, So, kind of what it just says here. It doesn't say exactly when he got shot, but then it just says, finally, on April 19th, the FBI raided the compound using military-grade weaponry such as armored tanks as well as tear gas. A fire broke out, the source of which remains disputed, mm-hmm. and 76 of the 85 Branch Davidians, including Koresh, and a number of children were killed. So Koresh was shot the day before. And I think that's when that's the inside incident got everyone to just, hey, we need to stop this. Uh, he wasn't shot fatally, but it's enough that if left untreated, he He's would die. Yeah, yeah, he was bleeding out. That's when we get the videos and stuff that yeah. he made. He called his mother, left a message saying, I think this is it, I think I'm going, but I'll see you soon. The mom tried to call back, couldn't get any answer. Koresh cut the FBI line so the FBI can't get in. They, there's no communication in there to outside. And then that's when they went in, okay, let's take it down. 
tear gas went in, tanks went in trying to get the children out safely. Didn't happen. Firefights going on. Uh, there was testimony of a Davidian who said it was someone on the inside with a gas canister that was pouring gasoline all over the inside. And then another Davidian said, hey, you shouldn't do that inside, you should be going around the outside. And this is one of the biggest debates. Because there are still Davidians out there. There's still a bunch of Davidians who are still Oh, yeah. Out there. there's, yeah, there's, there's, yeah, it's still... I think this, there's... There's, there's quite a bit. Yeah. Like there's a, it's a big number that's yeah. still out there. It's, there may not be this psycho, but no. there's... But they... The ones who stayed with the church believe that it wasn't anyone inside the church who would do it because the number one rule was to get all the women and children out safely. Because that was... I think he was saying when the armies of Babylon come, the women and children will lead to the future. They must be safe. Did a complete 180 on that. Uh, so yeah, he... Uh, the fire went off. Chaos ensued. They... Uh, they couldn't find Koresh in the rubble. Because it was just too hot to search. Uh, but when the theory was... And what they were afraid of... Was that Koresh was, had an underground bunker. And that he was going to wait in there for three days. And on the third day he would rise. That's wow. what they thought was going to happen. Wow. Thankfully, it didn't. Uh, they found Koresh with a bullet wound right in his head. So it was either, again, this is unconfirmed, he killed himself or another Davidian killed him out of rage. Because it was a point blank shot to the head. It was, there was no uh, evidence that it was ranged or anything. Okay. And I think in the miniseries, he does commit suicide. Okay. He, does, he shoots himself. Mm. And he's with, like, uh, he had, like, a best friend, like, his, like, his, one of his, like, the closest, his, I guess. Uh, like his partner, yeah. the closest guy, and they both uh, committed suicide together. And mm. in the, in the, the piece that I watched, mm. but that's also dramatized yeah. stuff yeah. so again for for this it's all yeah i don't know which is real yeah. what no what for was sure right pumped it's up for the story aspect yeah. of it so i don't know for sure okay. uh so the end of this whole thing no child left in the house survived yeah uh followers still think that koresh is going to get resurrected one day with all the children that died with him one day he's going to come back people uh, uh, others woke up and won't forgive him after he after he killed the children and I was like oh no he's that wasn't the plan that wasn't no sane man would believe that the children died because of the messiah this was just a psycho but the, the, the last thing that this uh, documentary I watched said is uh, the FBI underestimated over everything in the siege and ultimately Koresh won. They didn't nail him to a cross, but they did burn him to the ground. So he, he died a martyr to them. That's fat. And that's uh, Koresh. Well, there's some more. Actually, there's, there's some more. There's oh, a little bit of more, just like oh, I just okay. kind of found here. So this was just a day after the raid. Okay. So just the day after the raid, uh, then President, President Bill Clinton... Um, argued that the FBI um, bore no responsibility for the deaths 
at Waco saying, I don't think the United States government is responsible for the for the fact that a bunch of religious fascists decided to kill themselves. But for some, the uh, Waco tragedy was the foundation of a different narrative, a story of unlawful government overreach and of the consequences of federal aggression on the political far right. In particular, Waco becoming something of a rallying cry for those who saw the federal government as a threat. Right-wing anti-government bomber Timothy McVeigh, for example, carried out his 1995 Oklahoma City bombings in part as a direct response to Waco, there had an, uh, where he had been an eyewitness at the siege. And then as a 2015 New York Times story looking at Waco's influence on today's far right put in, for, for right-wing um, militias and so-called patriot groups, Waco amounts to evidence of a tyrannical, illegitimate, illegitimate government unblinkly preparing to kill its own people. The, spect the specter of Waco has not faded. Right-wing extremists uh, regularly invoke as its defying moment proof of Washington's um, perfidy. Or Waco can happen at any given time. Mike Vanderbilt, a prominent figure um, in the Patriot movement, told Retro Report he he added anonymously, but the outcome will be will be different this time. Of course, I can assure you. Then. There's, there is, there is, and then the Mega Waco Massacre yeah. challenges us to think of what it means to be a cult. I'm going to read you this little thing, and then the media tends to um, legitimize the FBI's raid of Mount Caramel, despite the disastrous outcome of many innocent members of the branch of uh, Davidians, including children, because Waco was a cult. But too often, notes Dr. Megan Goodwin, a visiting fellow at uh, Northern Eastern U North Northeastern University specializes in American minority religions. The term cult is used to delegitimize de 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 and uh, diminish religious practices that don't fit neatly into the American Christianity or Christian often protest mainstream and justify violence that would not be used against more established religious groups. She notes that the term cult itself controversial is uh, scholarly is Scholarly circles may prefers to be a neutral term, new religious movements. And then it goes into what she was saying, but we can go there later, but yeah. I think the thing that I've really started to notice over time of like researching uh, cults especially and, and, and uh, as I was saying, like at, almost at the beginning of this podcast is the, is the power that, that um, well, I, this sounds crazy, but I'm going to quote Eminem in, okay. in one of his songs. Uh, here, one second. Let me pull it up. It's from Sing For The Moment. He says this. Entertainment is changing, intertwining with gangsters. In the land of the killers, a sinner's mind is a sanctum. Holy or unholy. Only have one homie. Only this gun lonely, because don't anyone know me. But everybody feels like they can relate. I guess words are a motherfucker. They can be great. Or they can degrade. Or even worse, they can teach hate. It's like these kids, they hang on every statement we make. They worship us. And then they... Plus, all the stores ship us platinum. How the fuck did this metamorphosis happen? I think that, to me, that line speaks so well. Because he perfectly describes the power of words. Yeah. You can feel like you can relate to words, yeah. but they can totally mean different things. And I mean, yeah. we go through it every day. Yeah. Where 
something you say might you think of it that way but somebody interpreted that's the scary part about all of this i mean we can watch a movie and we can all have different interpretations oh for sure but in these instances that we're talking about this month somebody has taken words or or belief system or or your mind and warped it into a weapon yeah into a, a weapon to use against you and to boost them. I just remember the... So the one thing that Koresh led his... I guess they were disciples at this point. Led them by... And it's the most debated line in the Bible. It's in the book of Revelations. And it's... Um, the Lamb is the only one who can open the seven seals. And the seven seals are to the epoch, the, the end of times. Uh... The most common belief is that the lamb is Jesus because he has been referenced to the lamb. The lamb is often referenced as a sacrifice. Koresh thought he was a lamb. He was to be sacrificed to bring on the end of times. And again, it's another thing just on interpretation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, it's like this is the part that I don't get about a lot of this stuff that we've been looking into is I feel this way so therefore it must be and I just I don't I don't I don't know how that even starts right but I I think it's it starts with that thought but it grows when someone else agrees with that thought yeah and And then someone else agrees with that and then before you know it you've got a group of people who believe in your one thought and then I think it then becomes a play it becomes yeah. like a you become a character. Yeah. So yeah. no more Vernon Howell, right? Yeah, Vernon Howell. Yeah. No more Vernon Howell. It is now David, David Koresh, and we are playing that part yep. until the last day of my life. Yep. And this, uh, a lot, all these stories we're talking about this month are actually they're they're really sad, mm. and and when you're doing yeah. research on them, it it does have a tendency to drain you, and yep. and actually kill your entire day and your mood yeah. for the day. To be completely honest. So I have no idea about the amount of children that died in this. Yeah, it's it's terrible when you when you look into to the history yes, yeah. of this. Even then, like I said, Jonestown's fucking even worse, I probably yeah. would say. Oh, God. That one's a fucking... Isn't it the biggest mass death in the U.S. before 9-11? Almost a thousand. Almost a thousand people died, and we'll get into that next mm. week. It's another story, I mean... I don't know if it's because of the technology that we have nowadays and the the instant Nothing, Google yeah. search yeah. that now because we're not seeing this no. a lot anymore with the invention of technology yeah. and Googling and stuff, which makes me wonder, because the world was so innocent back then, yeah. were people more apt to believe in certain oh. things or it wasn't? Uh, we weren't. They weren't. So they were, um, yeah, I don't mean they weren't. We weren't so like access to all this yeah. information and all this stuff. And it, it was like okay, like I heard about. I heard about that on the. You're news, more. You're more intrigued. I, I think back, yeah. back in the day, I think people were more intrigued. They were. I'm more intrigued. I need, I know what you mean. I can't think of the fucking word, but it, it's like more innocent. But like it was. It was something that you didn't hear about now. If one of these situations happened, it's on twenty four seven. It's yeah. on every yeah. single news platform. Yeah. It's on Facebook, Twitter. Yeah. Um, 
TikTok, fucking TikTok, anything, oh, fucking oh, YouTube, anything. All this stuff. Nine so things. it's twenty four seven. So my question is, is like, was it just because there wasn't as much it wasn't content prominent, right? about it? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think that's. I, I could see it being in the day. It wasn't much content, so people. I think it drove more, people more. They were more curious because, like, yeah. well, what's this about? Like, I've heard like, you know, being in, you know, you know, in that Palestine text where he moved, like, going there, it's like, oh what the hell is that about then people going and checking it out and then being like oh wow mm. and then getting hooked in right like i said cause now it's just like quick like oh what is what's happening what's happening what's happening in china right now Oh, rocket you know it's falling down it's, you know off the sky oh then boom 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 but you see it and you always get numb to it yeah or you just know too much like if we if, so if we could google in during this like if we could google and let's say there's a new cult People will know. There will be posts on social yeah. media. Yeah. They will have their own freaking Facebook account or yeah. whatever he, the he fuck. He would be promoting songs all over YouTube. YouTube, yeah. Facebook, yeah. Instagram, yeah, any, any social media platform. I mean, it, it, it's, it's scarier that way too. Yeah. And the thing that I've noticed now is a lot of the stuff we're seeing it all over the place. And I won't, I won't uh, pick out any instance in particular, but. I've noticed that in a lot of, uh, in the past couple months, in the past couple years, yeah. the, the picking and choosing and the, and the, um, the way that we find what we want to talk about and the manipulation of words reminds me of this. Mm. And we have, and it's been watched over and over again. I mean, the manipulation of of people's mind or or the manipulation to have people believe in certain things and then go out and take drastic measures i'm just gonna say it was it was terrifying there for for a couple you know and i mean we're talking about for me i'm talking about the riot on the capitol yeah that's what that shit feels like to me, and it's terrifying looking at that I mean, that's what it feels like. It feels like taking words, taking things, and manipulating yeah, I mean, like, it to you fit your narrative. Yeah, yeah. To fit your narrative, all this stuff. Now, I'm, I, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know. But that's what it feels like, and it scares me. It, it genuinely scared me when I saw that shit. The Capitol? Yeah, the yeah. Capitol. Yeah, that that, that scared me. That day, too. President Trump said something. People, oh, that's what he means. Go. Right around the corner. Still in the Capitol. I'll be right with you. And he just fucks off. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's it, it's fucked. Like how a guy, yeah, to people, like I said, faith and... Again, have, he's saying stuff they want to hear. Yeah. And that's it. That's, that's it. And, and that's what I'm seeing a lot of is not just these leaders, but people will also hear what they want to hear. Just like they'll take what they want to hear too. Yep. Simple, easiest way to do it. You at home. None of anything that's going on is your fault. Again, generalizing everything. But to them, it's specific. Everything that's going on right now, it's not your fault. Do you know whose fault it is? It's theirs. Again, no idea who that is. But I'm relieving them by assigning blame to someone else. And you leave the person to do all of it. They... Because the information is there, they just have to fill in the blanks. Okay, this is totally off topic, but I want to talk to you guys about this. Just an acting statement that reminds me. Adam Driver said something in the in the round table. 
He did oh. like a roundtable interview where he's like, "My job isn't to make." I know the exact mo- the exact quote. He's like, about. "My job isn't supposed to make me feel an emotion. My job is to be the the person who brings the emotion to you, yeah. and you feel it, and you bring the emotion to me. And that's yeah. kind of what it sounds yeah. like, almost where you're. I mean, fuck, we kind of are. Like as actors, yeah. you're fucking manipulating an audience to feel a certain way. Yeah. We're taking, we're bending words to fit a narrative. I have to be sad in this people. scene. How do I make them sad so they can feel it with me? Mm-hmm. And how do I bend the words to fit my my character's narrative to push you to feel a certain way? Which words do I make specific? Which words do I rush over to make you kind of chase up with me? Mm-hmm. How am I going to change the pattern in my voice to make you go along the roller coaster if I'm going on a roller coaster? Yeah. It's the same thing as, like, this is going to sound really, a really shitty um, interpretation. I, I grabbed the hot dog and it burnt me instead of the hot dog burnt me. That's two different yeah. things that you can say, but it creates a totally different story. And again, make a different story. I grabbed the hot dog and it burnt me. Yeah. And the pause, changing the emphasis. Completely different story. Yeah, and the fucking hot dog's the asshole now. Yeah. Whereas it's like, fuck, I grabbed the hot dog and it burnt me. Yeah. Yeah, Like, oh, fuck. Me. But it's like, that fucking hot dog. That fucking hot dog burnt me, dude. It's such a completely different thing. And if you drop words and you pick them up, and you you throw them in a little bit of a different thing. It's so amazing. It's how you, like I said, bend the words or... Speed up, slow down, pause. It's also what um, mediums do as well. It's the generalization of certain words to get you to come up to the idea yourself. Yeah. It's like something bad has happened to you recently. Because, yeah, it has. It could be anything. Mm-hmm. Or what, what was it? I'm getting kind of like a, you go through the common letters again. Was it someone something to do with, was it, is it a J? Is it a most common letter? Is it a... Is it a P? Is it this? I pissed myself. You're you right. pissed yourself right. That's what was coming oh to me. Oh my god. Oh my god. Guys, this week on Ghost Hunters. <laughs> it's weird because it's also it's almost like uh you know I'm just guys, I'm not I'm not um I'm not feeling myself today. Like you know, like it's you guys, you um you guys look good, and I look like shit, guys. Oh, man, you look good. No, dude. You look good, man. No, you man, always I feel look, like shit, You dude. always look good. Look, really? I'm the one who looks shit right now. No, I'm man. the one who looks shit No, right you now. don't, but, dude. Dude, I'm, I'm the shit. You're the, you're, you're the fucking god right now. I'm I'm just so shit right no, now. No, I'm not. Yes, you are, man. Yeah, yeah. A little bit in the head, right? Yeah. That's that's what I mean. Like it's like that thing of like, guys, tell me what I want to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me what I want to hear. You told me what I want to hear. No, right. but you agree, right? Like, you know what I mean? That's how I feel. This thing starts is like, yeah, I kind of feel like I'm the shit, and then it's like, but wait, you need to be the shit. What's up, brother? And then uh, this is where the fucking mayhem starts. Yeah, every that time. fucking boom, got him in. <laughs> Because again, and common with Manson and with Koresh, another way to kickstart that even more: the most manipulative thing on this entire planet is music. Yeah. You can strike. What was what was it, uh, 
um, beautiful day in the neighborhood. What's his name? Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers. Uh, I don't know if he said it himself, but Tom Hanks in the movie goes, you can strike an emotion with a single chord. Oh, absolutely. It's it's the most... I, I've, I've said this for a while. It's the most powerful language there is on mm. planet Earth. When you are born, when you are in your yeah, yeah. When you are in your, your your mother's stomach, the first thing that you hear, as a as a living creature, is the beat of a heart. Mm-hmm. That is the first thing you've heard a beat your entire life. Mm-hmm. You've heard music your entire life. Yeah. It's 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 everywhere. It's a you, part you, of your you, life. You can't have uh, like back when I was in junior high, like my music teacher there, you know, super awesome dude, Mr. Graves. If you ever promise, you know, <laughs> sick dude, what's up? Uh, yeah, you know, he would say like without music, there would, there be there would be legitimately nothing. Mm-hmm. No, no mood, like nothing. No, no words. Every, every there'd be no talking. Not, no, would be nothing. It's like there's no TV, no movies, no games, no fucking communication. Just because even talking is there yeah, the is there's music, musical there. notes. There's yeah, uh, yeah. Music is the most powerful. Like you're saying, it's the most powerful thing. Like when you're a baby, mm-hmm. you don't know, you don't hear that beat the heart. By the it's, way, I learned that from Steven Tyler on Joe Rogan's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, right? It's it's, it's fucked. Like you know, and and you don't think about it because you know people I think take music for granted, but it's just like dull music. Life would be dull and boring and just because even because I think even if you're deaf, I think you can still feel like the the notes, just like yeah, still the like the vibrations. Yeah. You can still so you can kind of like in your head, you can know, know what it sounds like without if. Without that, it's like so. Even like the deaf people, the, you know, even deaf people would be fucking affected because people, yeah. it'd be fucking depressing. Uh, I think if if no one has anything else to add, I don't like way to wrap this podcast up. Right? For sure. I, I guess what well, I'm gonna end up as much as music is powerful. Uh, awesome. Just keep in mind, biblically speaking, it is also dangerous because when the devil got cast out of heaven, he was playing the golden fiddle. And on that note. It's been Oliver, Wyatt, and Tucker. Thanks for watching. See you next week. You said my name's Johnny, and this might be a sin, but I'll take that picture. Gunner, because I'm the best at it.